and welcome to the ADHD Friendly Podcast. I'm Patty Plinderman, and I'm an ADHD coach. I am passionate about supporting individuals impacted by ADHD and executive function skills challenges. I started this podcast so I could share research, tried and true practices, and my own experiences in the hopes that it makes your life a little bit more ADHD friendly. This is episode 29, and today I'm, being, I'm going to be talking about the importance of play when we have ADHD. So some examples of play I want to share just to kick us off, because it can look different for each individual. For me, play can look like playing board games, playing yard games. I love croquet, I like badminton. Um, play for me is knitting or reading or baking. Jigsaw puzzles feels like play to me. Play for my brother is reading technical manuals. Loves it. So that feels like play to him. What it looks like for you is key. If it isn't fun, it doesn't feel like play. So to connect back to what you enjoy playing, you might need to ask yourself what you enjoyed playing when you were a kid. What did you have fun playing? List everything you enjoyed from specific board games to sports. Maybe you love charades. If you enjoyed doing it when you were young, you would probably still enjoy doing it today. And as adults, we often lost touch somewhere along the way with regularly building in time to play. And I'm here to invite you to reconnect to it, to prioritize fun and play in your life. Why is this so important? Because play releases dopamine in your brain. Remember, ADHD brains are under-stimulated. Building up the neurochemicals in your brain is key to be able to do the things you don't enjoy doing. So it literally is essential to prioritize time to have fun and play. It's not optional, it's essential. When I was in college, one of my really good friends, her whole family played games weekly. And I mean, parents, siblings, everybody. And these were all adults. And they would come together and they would play games. And they even had a game closet. And it was at the entrance of their house, instead of the coat closet, they had two on the other side of the front door. One was for coats and the other one was just for games. And it was filled with all different kinds of board games. I loved this. I grew up uh, in a, a family where we played games when I was really little, but my parents divorced when I was young. And so we never sat and played board games together. I played with my siblings, but not as a whole family. And I loved this so much that I decided when I was in college and I would go over to my friend's house and play, this was so special to me that I decided I wanted to have a game closet when I had a family of my own. And I did. I made it a priority. I remembered that dream of having a family that played games together. And I started building my game closet before, once I got married, before we even had kids. And I just kept adding to it when we had children. And what I came to learn, and I'm going to share this part for any of you out there that maybe struggle with some types of games. It's why I want, I'm going to give you a few tools to really support you as you start exploring, building up a, a more intentional habit around 
having fun and play every day. Because my kids are impacted by ADHD in varying degrees, it shows up in different ways. And some of them really struggled playing games, taking turns, losing at games. I didn't know about ADHD at this, at this point when I was parenting when my kids were this young. I would got really frustrated because remember, this is a vision I had before I ever had kids. And I couldn't understand why my kids couldn't seem to really succeed at playing games. It, it typically just eroded into tears and um, tantrums and, and just negative. It was the opposite of the experience I had when I was in college. I still have a game closet today, but I have some other tools to support me and my family to engage in what feels like play with more success. So I want to share first some strategies. And the first is something called gamification. If you haven't heard that term before, gamification is the application of game design elements and game concepts to non-game situations. So it's literally a way to create external motivation for those intrinsic things that we are motivated to put into action, but we might struggle getting started on. So an example here that I've shared in a a previous podcast is what I call the poop scoop challenge. And I have three dogs live in a place where we get a lot of snow. When you let them out in the winter, you're not going out there and scooping after them. It just goes into the snow. So it's not until the snow all melts in the spring that you're left with a virtual like landmine of poop and nobody wants to scoop it. It's a lot of poop to have to go out there and scoop. And the way to make this gamified was to turn it into a race, a competition, a fun competition where everybody wins, but the prizes are based on how much poop you scoop. And I had a scale and you put it in plastic bags and put it on the scale so we can weigh it and literally see. So now we're not focused on the chore of scooping poop. We've turned it into a game. We've literally gamified it and turned it into fun and play. We're all racing around trying to get as much as we can because of the prizes. So incentivizing it, gamifying it is a strategy to turn something that needs to get done into a sparkly thing that pulls you into doing it instead of trying to push yourself into doing it. Two PDF tools that I've made around this that I'm going to be posting in the show notes in case you want to check them out are the first is something I just call playful strategies. And it's just a form that you can take and list the task, rate your motivation from zero to 10. So if you have zero motivation for something, which is a lot of the tasks that I need to do that aren't playful, um, and then list some strategies. So this is something I call a personal owner's manual tool. It's something that you'll keep building your list of, of gamified strategies. And so here is the example I'll share. So I have the, the scooping poop. I gave it a zero because I had zero motivation. And I have some options here. So challenge the kids with the game. Maybe set a timer and say, I'm just going to do it for five minutes. Some other examples are um, drive with a student driver. So I've always dreaded driving with my kids when I'm teaching how to drive. And so my motivation level, you can see on all of these is zero or one. So again, if you're listening to this on 
um, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you go to my YouTube channel, ADHD Friendly Podcasts, you can watch the video where you can see the examples I'm holding up. Um, but maybe listening to a playlist or incentivizing with a reward. So my daughter and I, she's, she's um, the one I'm practicing driving with now. And so we have a regular routine now that we've created and I've incentivized it um, at the end of the week. If we've done our plan, we get a treat. And so we go out and we, we drive to the location to get the treat. Um, body doubling can be a strategy. I have strategy around getting my car serviced. I used to hate it. It's actually not a zero anymore because I have so many things that I literally will put aside to do intentionally when I'm getting my car serviced because it has a nice waiting area. And it almost feels like I'm on an airplane where I'm not going to be interrupted. Nobody's going to come up and talk to me except to tell me my car is ready. Um, and so I just, you know, I can organize my photos or I can shop for Christmas gifts online. Um, I can plan my next vacation, just different things that I can look forward to and just kind of dream and, and create. And I love that time to be able to do it. So I have a blank version of this tool and a PDF in case it interests you to check it out, to play around with how to create some sparkle in some of the things that you might not have sparkle in without gamifying it. And the next is what I call a play menu. And this is just a chart that has space and the categories I have on here are solo play. So these are things that you can do by yourself, play with friends, play with family, and maybe like looking at locations that you can play to create a little bit of novelty. Um, and then again, this is a PDF I'm sharing with you. It's in the show notes, but I have some examples. So for solo play, I have, again, this is my menu. So I have knitting, reading, um, doing jigsaw puzzles, taking a class. Love of learning is one of my, um, my favorite things to engage in. So I love to identify all the classes I want to take, and then I'll intentionally pick one. Sometimes as a reward, sometimes um, it's the thing that I planned that I'm going to take next once I finished another thing that I was learning about. Play with friends. This, I encourage you there are certain things I play with certain friends and certain other things I play with other friends. So my example here is I have a, a another couple that my husband and I enjoy playing trivia with. I play trivia with a few other friends and it just wasn't the same. So I play trivia with the friends that it's a good fit for us to play trivia with. With other friends, I might do something different. We might be playing a, a board game or cards or something. Um, so I have different examples of things I can play with friends and then play with family. I have lots of structure around this in my own personal owner's manual where I have a list of the different games that my different kids like to play. I have games that we can play together, games that certain ones don't want to play. So I won't even ask them because I know they're not interested in playing. So I'm not going to drain their energy by asking them to play something I know they're not going to enjoy. And so I have lots of examples around that and I build it and collect it so that I can remember it and tap back into it when I need it. And then play location. I just wanted to share, this is something that came up for us when we go to vacation um, in the same location. So I might have like at the vacation um, house, what did we do? So like we rented a lake house. And so I have all the different activities that we would do specifically there, what was nearby, things that um, we did while we were there. And then it could be like, like there's a few parks. So I might list the different parks and the activities that we can do at those parks. So just getting really specific in your play menu. Remember, play is going to fire up your brain and build up that dopamine level in your brain. But if you're low energy and you're trying to think of what you could do that would feel playful, 
that takes energy and effort. Writing it down and adding to your play menu over time, it just offloads. Remember, we I talked about in my previous episode, working memory. It offloads all of that from having to hold on to it into an external tool that all you need to do is pull it up and look at it. And then you can just pick something because you already have in there everything that you like doing that feels like play. And I guarantee you, my experience has been, it's so much more fun just to open the tool and look at the list. And half the time I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I wrote that down because I forgot that that feels like fun and play to me. I'm going to do that. So it keeps it sparkly. So that's it for this episode of the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where I talked about the importance of fun and play with ADHD. I always strive to do my best, but I know that part of the process includes making mistakes. So if I ever share something that doesn't resonate with you, or it's just sounds wrong, please let me know. And as always, if you like this, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, ADHD Friendly Podcast, and follow me where you do listen to this podcast. I'll see you next time. Until then, tally ho.